How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. So, uh, yeah, super excited today. So, how many people in this room want to know by the time they leave in 20 minutes, not 21 minutes, otherwise they'll get the hook, right? Um, exactly how to clone and replicate your top 10 biggest and best customers. Raise your hand. Come on. Everybody else get out. Come on. Okay, let's do this again. Is this like, are, are people hung over from yesterday or what's going on? Or are you starting St. Patrick's Day? Who wants to clone and replicate their top 10 biggest customers? Say hi. All right. Let's get a little bit of energy. So I'll try and fly through this quick, uh, but I got a lot to cover. So I'm going to break it down into three core areas. The first is the journey, because that'll give you the context in terms of the strategies that we implement and the tactical components in terms of the operating system. And then the 2023 update is like, knowing what I know now with 2023, how can I apply this and really launch this forward? And there's some stuff I'm personally doing in my business that'll help you catapult things to the next level, okay? So this was the path we took to get to 30 million in ARR. It was really interesting because we started slapping away. We started off with deals that were two to 4K a month. And then we catapulted that up to 20 to 40K a month, right? We really hit it big in the uh, January 2015 timeframe because what we did is we hit a deal that was 166,000 a month, right? So from there, then it grew pretty steady. And then when you look in like the second year, second years, maybe two and a half years in, we really started to focus on expansion. And so we started to add big chunks of revenue through expansion because once we got into those big customers, that was one of the things that rolled really easy. So... Um, so that just gives some context of that. So I'll break through each one of these stages. How many people are on the zero to three million stage? Raise your hand. Okay. How many people are on the three to ten million dollar stage? Raise your hand. Okay. Do we have anybody from ten to thirty? All right. So we got a little bit of each flavor in here. All right. So basically, this started. This journey started for me out of failure. Right. Not failure. Failure of execution, but failure of leadership. So what happened was, this was my first really core leadership job. And so what happened was, I basically was failing as a leader while getting results. So we were constantly achieving, but I was a dick to work for, <laughs> to put it frankly, right? I probably shouldn't have said that word, but whatever, we're all adults here. So people did not like me. So I got promoted or demoted, I should say, that turned into a promotion. And they're like, Ryan, we want to move up market. Your team hates you. You need to start all over. Basically, that was the long story short, Right. So it was a hard learning experience to me, but you'll see later as we get into things, there was a lot that I took away that helped me really bring that enterprise team to the next level, okay? So that's what I did not have. I didn't have a team. I didn't have process, playbooks, enablement, hiring budget, nothing. We weren't back. This was all bootstrapped. This is doing more with less, right? But what I did have is I had autonomy. I had executive support. And the other thing is I didn't have any people to execute this for me. So basically, I had existing reps that would allocate 20 to 30% of their focus, time, and energy on going this. So I not only had to get them results, but I had to get them to really like me again as well. So it was like kind of a double thing. Okay. And so this is the exact process that we took. So if you look at it, Snowflake is up here. This is actually the wrong logo. This should be Vista Equity. Vista Equity actually uses a process called um, that I'm not, they don't name the process, but essentially what they do is they're a $90 billion fund and they take companies that are 2 billion to 6 billion in three years, right? Snowflake has a similar process that they leverage. Um, I use it at Flex Technology Group, which is a managed service for print and software. And basically anybody can apply this. This is like highly useful. I would, I'm going to talk about this much deeper 
But basically, how many people know their, their ACV in here, their annual contract value, your average deal size, right? Raise your hands. Okay. How many people in here know what the top 20% of their annual contract value is, the average of that? Okay, so we got one person in the entire room, right? So, and I'm going to show you why this is important. So what we did is we looked at, I looked at that when I was creating the go-to-market. We looked at our five biggest wins, our five fastest wins, and our five biggest losses. Because there was five, there, there's deals that we shouldn't have been participating in. And at the same time, there were deals that closed really, really fast that almost seemed like magic, and other ones that were really obnoxiously big. And so that's kind of where that was taken from. You see how I'm doing on time. Oh, the time climb clock's not going up, up here. You guys want to get that rolling? Okay. So how many of you have seen this movie? Time, right here. Raise your hand. Yeah, a little bit. You guys like it or no? No? You haven't? Tommy Boy's one of the best movies of all time. Does anybody know what this is from? Have you seen this movie? Old school, right? Where Will Ferrell got shot with a dart in his neck. Okay. So this is essentially what we were doing. Um, when I say crawl, walk, run and I'll kind of kick it off there, is I just showed you that formula, the, the biggest five, fastest five, and five biggest losses. So one of the things that we did is just like investments, think of someone who's closer to retirement where they only invest maybe 20% in stocks, the higher risk area, and then they had 80% in bonds. That's what we did with the enterprise side. So our team wouldn't starve. We had them focus on mid-market 80% of the time, and 20% was on those big hitters. Okay, but what happened was, we eventually shifted it from 2080 to 3070 to 5050 to 8020, right? With enterprise being the biggest portion. The beautiful thing about that, if you don't have tons of VC money to throw in and create an enterprise team from scratch, that you could do if you do that is basically you'll see who's capable of selling enterprise deals or not. At the same time, you'll upskill your team without having to put a big investment in. And so it mitigated our risk, not just from a personnel perspective, but at the same time, a revenue perspective, because we still had those mid-sized deals coming in. And then next thing you know, we started getting these big hits on top of it. So it stacks really fast if you do that. Okay? So the other thing that we had is, is these are three areas when we go from three to ten, right? So our comp plan was designed perfectly differently. I'm not perfectly different. Differently than all of our competitors. And how we did that is we paid them a chunk, half up front of the monthly cost, but then we had a residual payment, which is kind of unheard of. The reason why we did that is because once they started getting deals, they never wanted to leave, right? You know how much people turn over right now in the sales area? They never wanted to leave, okay? So then what we did is we said yes as a team, and I really didn't describe what that is. I talked about the Will Ferrell picture, but essentially we would take, if there was a sales call, we would fly out to an opportunity. We went to Atlantic City and uh, talked to Spencer's and Spirit Halloween stores. Have you guys ever heard of those, them at all? Spirit Halloween stores is like ridiculous. They do like $350 million a year with those pop-up stores. Uh, so anyways, what we did is we cherry-picked, and if we got opportunities, we would say we were in the neighborhood in Atlantic City and meet with a client that would accept our meeting in Nashville, right? That was in the area, right? So that's, we started doing that as a team and really cherry-picked the best of the best because this is one of those things that is unscalable that we use to scale, right? Then the next thing is the David versus Goliath messaging, and it all comes back to lazy clients equal happy clients. And I'll, I'll walk through that on the next few slides. So essentially, and this is a writer downer, right? Because this is what I see the majority of the market doing. They're hitting result plus certainty of outcome. We deliver X amount of revenue. We save X amount of costs, right? These are how we prove that we do it. The thing that it's missing is really, really calling out how fast that time to value is. In addition, how little work and effort is needed. 
Okay? So those two points are really, really critical. And here's a side-by-side -side example of that. So if you look at option one, this was a competitor that was a $42 billion company that we're competing against as like a $20 million company, right? We had the same basically pricing structure. We had one-tenth the amount of references of big customers that they had, but their solution, when it was all said and done, took five months to fully implement and a lot of time and work on their end. Ours took four weeks, and they barely had to do anything, okay? Now think about that. Think about how lazy people are and how resistant to change is. Because when you're trying to implement an enterprise solution, what goes off in their head is, wow, that sounds like a lot of work, right? That sounds like a lot of work. So this got us past that, and it really disrupted the entire space. And the good thing is we got to exactly where they were because they were selling hardware up front. We did it later uh, after the fact. And we still got the deals, but we got ridiculous margins. There's Fortune 500 companies where we got basically 75% margins on, on very simple hardware, okay? And I know SaaS is a little bit different, but I'm trying to bring context full circle, okay? Um, the other thing that we did is we verticaled the horizontal, and I'll get onto that in a little bit. We went from nine verticals to three core verticals, even though we could service any vertical. We systemized the quality and the KPIs in terms of enterprise sales, and then leadership OS, it's basically a rhythm that we had weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual for being really strategic on the exact counts we focus on, not just for net new, but for retention as well, right? So I'm going to get in all these deeper, so that's why I'm kind of going through it fast. I want to be uh, sensitive to time structures as well, because we're halfway through. So I'm going to break each one of these down a little more granularly so you could have this uh, to walk away with, okay? So you might want to take a picture of this. Uh, this is highly, highly effective, and anybody in the room can go do this. And this alone doubled our deal size every single year. This alone doubled our deal size every single year, okay? So this is the process what I talked about earlier with the perfect customer profile. Okay, so, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you what this means in numbers on the next slide. But what you're going to find is when you look at your five biggest wins, fastest wins, and losses, you're going to see weird patterns and outliers. That's the stuff you want to pay attention to, okay? So, like, for example, we found out in this situation, and this is actually a hypothetical situation, um, but it's relevant towards a company that we worked with. They did really good, not just in verticals, but in certain ownership structures. So this one was with publicly owned companies. Sometimes you find private equity is better. Sometimes you find public. Sometimes it's private with no funding. Uh, other things that are really interesting, too, are, you know, like the time to close. Like looking at that, because if you could get $400,000 deals that close in six months versus other deals, then it's highly, highly important. We found that out, actually. It's funny. We had our, our, our biggest vertical was legal services. We had healthcare. We had manufacturing. We had retail. And one of the things that we found out is, our largest deal size closed in six months, whereas other deals that were one-fifth the size closed in nine to ten months, right? But if you don't pay attention to that speed factor, you're going to lose on that. And it compounds over your team, okay? So here's what it looks like with actual real numbers. So this was taken from an example where an organization had basically 12 different verticals they worked in because they had a horizontal solution, right? Their enablement was the same, their focus was the same, their, their time and energy was the same with their sales team. In this situation on the top, the top is that the last 12 months, they had 84% of their revenue through three core verticals. Why would you focus on those other nine the same amount of effort? It's insanity, isn't it? All right, then you look at their LTV over the last three years. They had four different verticals that came up with 75% of their LTV. I encourage you, take the time to do it. It'll take about a couple hours. The insights you get from this are amazing, but you've got to do it every year. 
You've got to do it every year because the market changes, okay? So I asked at the beginning, and one person knew this, what the top 20% of your average contract value is. Or I said, yeah, average contract value, the top 20% of your customers. This is taken from a real example. They were at about 16,000 ACV overall. Their top 20% was 44,000, all right? What do you think happens if you only focus on this or you disproportionately focus on it? It goes up naturally. This is doing more with less in a really, really simple way just by being aware of your data, okay? Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. So remember how I told you I sucked as a leader? I didn't even use sucked. I used a different city. You guys remember that, right? So on the top, this is where I learned. Half of basically the enterprise sales operating system that I, I created was based on making really happy reps. And like I would tell my family stories. My family's like, oh my God, are you their therapist? Right? Like you know more about your reps than like I've ever known. Like how do they share that stuff with you? They would tell me like, when they were trying to get pregnant, they didn't tell me like when they're trying to save up for how, like all this stuff, right? So I focused really on that and aligned the personal goals that they had and the mission that they had with the company mission. And then down here, there's four concepts based in here. I talk, talked about the perfect customer profile, right? So aligning that to a territory plan. But these are the areas that most organizations focus on. They focus on sales process and execution. Those are inward focus. That's like going out on a date for the first time and just talking about yourself the entire time, right? It's not going to end well, okay? These are the other two areas. This is the strategy component, right? So on average for an enterprise deal, you might have 10 to 12 different people making a decision or involved in the decision. So when you're looking at this, basically what this is is looking at the business case, which is the logic, but broken down to the individual level. So, for example, how does a director get evaluated? What are their KPIs for their evaluation? What do they get promoted by? Understanding that for every layer of the cake, vertically and horizontally, and that's where the decision funnels are in, right? So that's the, the people component. And then basically the business case is more around the ROI, which everybody has, but it's integrating these two together and orchestrating how to coordinate the emotional priorities and the politics that big companies have that are ridiculous, right? And then cross-referencing those with the process and the execution. All right, so the other thing is event-led growth. I'll take it home with this. Um, basically, just like we have here, this is a really good strategy. I was, I was talking to you about this in the lobby, right? I think or I was talking to somebody else about this one, too. But one of the things with this is, like, events are great, but what I see is people go too broad with events, right? So in the enterprise space, there's specific niche events. Let's say, for example... If you look at the top, that's Chime, that's CIO, healthcare executives, and there's a group about the 800 biggest healthcare companies in the world meet once or twice a year, uh, and basically you could sponsor it, and it's like $40,000, right? But that's 800 of the biggest healthcare companies in the world. So there's like these for all of them, right? The one thing that I don't see a lot of organizations doing that we did really well, besides being cost-effective when we were doing this, is we would create relationships 
with the board members at those associations, right? And then we would get them as customers. And then they, the only reason why they got in at the board level is because they were the most connected people in that space. And so then they pushed this out to everybody else. So it's a big force multiplier, all right? So this is how we're going to do the 2023 update. I got four minutes, so I'll be quick. Um, podcast is a pipeline, okay? Everybody pull your phone out. Pull it out, pull it out, pull it out. Okay? You guys do have uh, Apple or Spotify, type in the scale-up show. Just download an episode. Follow it for a second. The one thing that you'll see there is you can literally interview those perfect customers that I told you about in a podcast format. They love meeting with you, right? This happened to me on accident. I started interviewing prospects, and then what happened is they were like, hey, Ryan, so what exactly do you do, right? How do you, how do, you do what you do? And it was like pandemic golfing because I created a relationship and I created value for them before I asked for one single thing from them, right? So then what happened is a lot of these started converting into pipeline. And so, um, and then what happened was this, I, I had a, a founder actually help me, ask me like, Ryan, can you help me set this up? And I'm like, sure, no problem. She got literally $500,000 and then a million dollars shortly after a pipeline before her show even launched. How sick is that, right? 500K in pipeline before it even launched, and then a million shortly after, and she got access to people at billion-dollar companies. Do you know why? Because it's built on human nature, right? People love to promote themselves, promote their brand, and if you're giving them a vehicle to do that, they love you for it, right? Um, the other thing is you can create a content flywheel very cost-effectively across social. You can do TikTok shorts. Uh, a lot of this is just basically it, it creates a massive amount of effect. So basically, think of it this way. You have your, your high ACV deals here that you get through the podcast. And then what you do is, from listeners, you get PLG growth of people streaming towards you, right? So that's one. This is another one. Uh, I see this all the time with, with SaaS founders I work with. How many, how many companies in here have over 50 customers? How many have over 100? Keep your hands raised. 200, 300, 400, 500. Oh, wow. We got some big ones. Okay, some great candidates in here. So... One of the things that I see a lot of folks missing, this is a huge opportunity. Does anybody know what the difference is with close rates with an upsell or expansion deal versus a net new deal? It's like, what is it? Yeah, it could be, well, there's, yeah, right? It'd be like 15 to 30, depending on how big the deal is, all the way to like 40 or 70, right, on existing. So what's happening now is nine out of 10 people are starting basically asking other people what they should do and asking from a reference from one of their colleagues anyways. They're asking for a referral. So why not leverage what they're already doing and systemize it? Instead of waiting for inbound referrals to come in, systemize customer to prospect referrals just like you would an upsell and incorporate it into QBRs or incorporate it into the business. And there's three points where you could hit this, right? Up top, you got the perfect customer profile. You got the pathways, which are the incentives, peaks of process. Think of that as the emotional peaks that someone has when they're buying. They go through the honeymoon period when they buy. Or at the same time, once they get a big result, right? That's the timing. And then you got the playbooks, like what to say, when to say it, who to say it to, okay? Then you have old customers that basically go to new companies. I've seen deals like $500,000 close in weeks because they had the experience, they already know it. Then you got existing customers and then net new logos, right? So I got 38 seconds left, I'm almost done, right? And then you got, you got three different areas, internal, external, and fraternal. So anyways, AI has been the talk. I, I've talked to a lot of founders while I'm here, and the number one use case I see a lot using is more internal. There's massive use cases for the, leveraging this external, right? 
And so uh, I, I've been playing with this a lot, everything from, and I, I know Stefan and I talked about some use cases for this. I'm excited to talk to you more about it, man. We got to do that before you leave. But anyways, there's all these different use cases where you could leverage this from an outbound perspective, or you could leverage this. You can even ask ChatGPT for what are the um, what are the worst reviews that my top three competitors have? Put it out in bulleted format, create a sequence for it, and then you could send that messaging out to get people's attention. It's wild, right? And then you stack on top of it the imagery that you can leverage with that, that these are all taken from AI as well, and really, really grow it up. You should see the, the guy in finance. I hope nobody in, anybody in finance here. It's like, a, it's like an overweight crocodile for finance. Supply chain was like a donkey. You know, I mean, some of these were pretty funny on it or whatever. So um, long story short, just by focusing on media, I made a change and I decided to make a commitment to form a media company as well for what I'm doing. And I encourage my clients to do the same thing because that's where everything's heading. We're going into the attention economy. There's more software. There's like projected maybe 17,000 different AI companies coming out this year. So it's going to get noisier and noisier with generic noise. And you got to find a way to cut through that. So long story short, that's the journey zero to 30. And then we went the uh, adaptive market engine, enterprise sales OS, event-led growth. And then these are things that I would seriously consider if you haven't already implementing in your stack right now, because specifically these deals close in half the amount of time at 150% of the conversion rate. So it's wild what happens. Uh, podcast works well. And then on top of it for AI, um, if you guys want to, I know we're up on time. Oh, shoot, you got the in-between time. I'm starting to get the hook. Protest went a little long. One, one last thing. Um, just reach out and connect to me on LinkedIn. I'm Ryan Staley on LinkedIn. And if you want, I'll send you this deck. And at the same time, if you also want, there's a, a cheat guide I have for all the KPIs, all the emotions behind C-level executives across seven C-level executives. I did all the AI work. I'll send you the link and you can grab that too. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for checking out The Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.